This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that gives you the long and short of, well, going long and short. My name's Andrew Page, and with me, as always, Mr. Scott Phillips. I'm the long one, he's the short one. <laughs> That's exactly right. Today on the podcast, short selling, what the hell is it? Is it good? Should we care? We'll dig into that. Also, is there a need for a banking royal commission? There's been a bit of talk about that, and so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Also, insurance. We've had Cyclone Debbie wreaking havoc. Uh, up in Queensland. It's not good news for the insurers. What does it mean? And we'll also give a quick shout out to a loyal listener as well. But Scott, yes, first. Yes, Andrew. Let's actually mix things up a bit. Let's All talk right. a bit about the insurance first. Beautiful. Um, Suncorp, Metway, IAG. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, QBE. They've, they've covered a sort of, they've written a lot of policies yes. over the years. Um, now it's sort of time to pay the piper, so Coming to speak. home to roost. Um, we, love a, we love a bit of jargon, don't we? We don't. Like, well, you know, you can't really be in this industry and not love jargon, exactly, can you? Exactly. They're so, a dime a dozen. <laughs> there you I go. Always, I always say I avoid cliches like the plague, Andrew. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> so so tell me a bit about uh, Cyclone Debbie. So the rains came down, the floods came up, and the rains came down, the floods came up. Yep. And that caused a whole heap of damage right sure across did. much of lower Queensland, southern Queensland, northern New South Wales. Plenty mm-hmm. of photos, of course, of Lismore under a heap of water and other yeah. places besides. Apparently, four gabbers full of rain went through Rockhampton. Wow. So if you can believe that in terms of like the, the flooding that went through the, went through the town. So yeah, enormous amounts of water. We all know that. We've all seen the photos. Okay. Now, this isn't, a, thankfully, a, a meteorological podcast. This is a, uh, this is a, a finance podcast. Mm-hmm. So it comes to us to talk about the investing part of the story. Yes. And as you say, those big insurers are going to have to pay out a pretty penny yeah. when it comes to covering the losses from those natural disasters. And yet, the share yet, prices really haven't, you know, they came back a little way, but it's been far from devastating. So right. how do you riddle me that? I mean, how, how is it that they're going to have to pay out potentially hundreds of millions of dollars and investors don't seem to care. Right. So let's go back to first principles just very briefly. Mm-hmm. What is insurance? Insurance is all about pooling a whole lot of risks yep. and then paying out those risks that actually come to pass. Mm. So you've got house insurance. Well, I've got house insurance. Our producer, Liam, probably hasn't got house insurance because he's a young bloke. He's probably, you know, couch surfing with his mates. No, I'm kidding. Doesn't have um, a house. <laughs> that'll be why too. <laughs> um, that's good to hear from Liam. Hey. hey. Welcome, Liam, everybody. <laughs> Um, so that's the, that's the story. So, so it's all about pulling the risk and paying out when mm-hmm. there's some of, a few of those risks come to pass. Yes. That's what insurance put insurances do. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough money in my bank account to pay for my house gets burnt down. Mm-hmm. Neither do you, neither mm-hmm. does Liam because he doesn't have a house. <laughs> but as those, yeah, you know, but somebody listening here will mm-hmm. have their house burned down the next week. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. yep. when that happens, they'll be insured and mm-hmm. a bit of my insurance policy, a bit of your insurance policy will go towards paying for that damage. That's what insurance does. Okay. But, but in this instance though, you've yes. had a whole bunch of sort of disasters hit a whole bunch of people at the same time. Right. So it's not like, you know, Bob's house got flooded where, you know, mine was fine. It, there's a lot of people all claiming at once. You right? got it. Now, there's a couple of things about that. Firstly, the IAGs, the Suncorp Membways, do have policies outside those areas. Okay. So that still is in play to some degree. Sure, sure. If you were just a Rockhampton insurance company, you'd be broke right, right. now. But you're not a, you're a Queensland-based or you're a national insurer. Mm-hmm. You've, you're taking risks right across the country. Mm-hmm. The other thing is your job as an insurer is to, what they say, reserve for these things. In other words, you say, I expect over the next year, there will be X dollars worth of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an earthquake in Christchurch. Maybe it's a hailstorm in Sydney. Mm. Maybe it's a, a flood in, in, in South East and, and North New South Wales, South yep. of Queensland, North New South Wales. So when that happens, you've put aside some money to allow for that. Yep. Not only that, you've actually undertaken what they call reinsurance. I was going right? to say, right, reinsurance. And here's the kind of... Insurance kind of, for the insurance. It turtles all the way down, as they say, yeah. right? So what happens is the insurers will take the first 85-odd percent of any claim. Yep. But after that... They actually lay off some of that insurance. They say, well, we're only so big. Mm. We want to share this around a little bit. So the insurers all group together 
and someone reinsures the insurers, as mm. you say, insurance for the insurance companies. Yep. And so the big reinsurers, the global guys, there's a couple in Switzerland, a couple in the US, Warren Buffett's mm. own Berkshire Hathaway has a reinsurance operation. Sure does. Um, and those guys insure the insurers. Yeah. And so what happens over the course of the year, basically, so IAG, for example, who owns the NRMA brand and a whole lot of others, mm. um, it, it's, it's, gonna, it's got to improve, increase its provision by about $170 million. Mm-hmm. In total, yeah. despite all the damage being caused. In other words, they 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 reserve for almost all of this, or they reinsure for almost all of this. Mm. The incremental cost to them is pretty small in the overall scheme of things. Mm. $140 bucks um, extra damage than what they had expected. Yes, that will reduce profits in the short term, yeah. but here's the other part of the story. They know this is going to happen, and their investors, in theory, mm. should know this is going to happen too. Yeah, and There are great years yeah. when no natural disasters hit, and the insurers make a mozza. Yeah. And there are terrible years like this year when they make less than they otherwise would because of floods in Queensland. It's all about probabilities, right? It's, 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 it's a bit analogous Probably. to... Um, <laughs> very boom, good. Boom, boom. Here all week. It's, 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 it's similar to a casino, right? Like they don't know what, whether the, the ball's going to land on black or red the next spin, but they know you do it enough times and it's going to average out. And you it's exactly it. the same kind of thing. So some very clever math- mathematics um, behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, look at these companies, they look out and say, look, at some stage there's going to be a big flood. At some stage there's going to be this. And here's the thing, you give it enough time and you've got the good enough mass and it's going to be fine. The odds are going to go your way. But Mr. Phillips, I put to you, oh, yes, is Mr. there not Phillips, still the risk that, you know, they get the maths wrong? Yes. Maybe, so maybe you could say, look, we've got 200 years of meteor- meteorological, <laughs> meteorological, oh, let's try saying that Weather. three times fast. Weather. <laughs> Information. Will you, will you, will you small work today, Andrew? <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's a bit rough this morning. So we've got, you know, we can say, well, on average over that time, there's been X amount of floods, but then yep. someone could come, come out and say, well, the climate's changing potentially. Maybe we're going, we don't know exactly how, but maybe we can point to uh, an increased frequency or increased severity of these certain events. The old models no longer hold true. Yep. Is that a valid concern? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a concern in the sense that uh, 98% of people believe climate change is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the other 2%, well, let's leave that alone. Let's be 90, 98% of people believe climate change is real. And if it's real, there will be a higher propensity of floods and storms and cyclones mm-hmm. and tornadoes and bushfires, all the stuff that comes with changing climate. Right. So that, that's, that's accepted by most people. And insurance mm-hmm. companies will be mad not to include that risk. Mm. The thing, the difference is that insurance companies aren't insuring risks of a cyclone in 2034. Right. They take your money or my money and they cover us only for the next 12 months. Mm. And then the 12 months after that, we've got to pay again for that. Yep. So the only thing that matters when it comes to those longer term, mm. big tail risk risks, if you like, the things that might happen down the track, they're taking money a year at a time. And so they get to reset of, whenever they need to. And that's to. the beauty. Yeah. Most people say, oh, I don't invest in insurers because of climate change or because of whatever. Yeah. It only matters if they're writing policies that cover that length of period of time. So mm. if, if an insurer was to say to you, Andrew, I will cover your house for the next 20 years mm. for the upfront price of X. Yep. A, they'd be mad, and B, you should really think about it because the mm. chance that something happens, mm. you're probably going to come out ahead. Yeah, yeah. But if they're saying, I'll cover you for the next 12 months, the cl- if the climate is changing, and I think it probably is, but if it is, it's going to change relatively slowly over 40, 50 years. Now, altogether, that's a big change, but you're not insuring 50 years worth of risk today. You're only insuring the risk from today until April next year, mm. and the chance of next year being significantly worse than the models or than last year mm. is still relatively small. And by the way, a good actuary, who are the guys in the insurance ivory towers who set these prices, mm-hmm. will already be planning that anyway. They'll be yeah. saying, well, it, the, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how likely the risk is. Mm. If there's a 90% chance of something, then you're going you're gonna to demand a premium that covers that entire risk. Yeah. And that's all that matters. Insurance companies aren't taking any risk mm. unless they price badly. Yeah. All they're saying is, 
here's the likely dollar value of the downside. Mm. Have I got enough premiums to cover that? And if they do, you can assure anything. Yeah. You know, bad debts in credit cards, right? Yeah. More people were following credit cards and home loans, but interest rates are higher. So mm. credit cards aren't a worse risk. Mm. They just charge more for them. And as long as you're charging enough in that pooled environment to cover your costs, then you're ahead. Yep. Uh, let's let's tie a knot in this one here. Done. Well done. You did all the heavy lifting now. I like oh, that. Mate, sorry, my life. Um, if, if you were... Uh, People listen to this podcast will know exactly how this happened. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> so so let's let's end on, on this though. Is yes. there an insurer out there that you think is worth buying today? That's a really good question. I wouldn't be buying any insurers for market beating returns. Mm -hmm. I do like IAG for income at the moment. Yep. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good income stock. Um, with insurers, you've got to Buffett's know- Buffett's got some IAG, doesn't he? He does, yep. he does. You've got to know you're trusting the insurer because my point about reserving yep. and pricing, if they get the pricing wrong, they can go broke really quick. Right. So you want to make sure the insurer that you're investing in has high quality, well-regarded management teams who have a good track record. I think IAG fits in that bucket. And that's why I like that. Over the other insurers for income particularly, not as much for long-term market-beating returns. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, Talk should there be a banking royal commission? Uh, uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> There's a bit of talk of it lately. The banks have uh, been a little bit naughty uh, in, in instances. Allegedly. Uh, some of their wealth products are not so great. The incentives around selling those, not so fantastic. The payouts to, uh, to speaking of insurance, some of the people that they've insured, not, not being paid out what is their due. Amen. It's gotten a lot of people very upset. Um, some politicians calling for a, a banking royal commission. Okay. Let's start at the beginning there. Um, is this, the banks will say, obviously, that it's all in <laughs> hands. We've got this isolated incident, you, don't, you know, self-regulation and, and all the rest <laughs> of it. Um, should we trust them on that? Self-regulation is one of the greatest oxymorons ever. If you, if, Let's imagine you go to someone and say, look, It's like self-medication, oh, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like going, going to the cop and say, look, don't, don't worry about pulling me over for my speed. I'll regulate my own speed. Thanks, mate. Yeah. I mean, it, it, seriously, any government or cop says, oh, good point. Okay, as long as you do that, that's fine. I'll go home and not worry about it. Yeah. For the love of God. And why would you want self-regulation? Because yeah. you're going to be easier on yourself than the other bastards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is just the biggest rot in the entire world across the board. It's hard to say with a straight face. Any right? industry that self-regulates is is happily, happily right. accepting less regulation than would be the case if someone else was in charge. Yep, yep. When it comes to the banks, this is, mm. this is one of the biggest challenges. The banks are... This is, here's the thing, right? We're free market guys. We're capitalist guys. We like the operation of the market. The oh, problem yeah. is that any market left unchecked will tend towards monopoly, will tend towards, you know, bastardization. This is, you know, markets are Darwinian. It's survival mm. of the fittest. Mm. And when you've got a scenario where there is too much power in one hand, one set of hands and not another set of hands, i.e. banks versus mm. consumers or insurance mm. versus consumers, mm -hmm. that's exactly why we have insurance, why we have regulators. Yeah. And so that's, that's the real challenge here. And when it comes to wealth management, when it comes to financial planning, mm. the incentives on the financial plans that work for the banks, and by the way, the bank-owned subsidiaries, mm. some of the names you won't recognize as being part of the banks, their straight-out incentives yeah. are to recommend to you mm. the products made by their employer, mm. not necessarily the ones that are best for you. Mm. When it comes to insurers, we've just talked about insurance. How do you boost your insurance profits? Well, you simply say to some people who make a claim, I'm sorry, you're not covered, dude. Yeah. And they said, well, but, but I thought it was covered. Out. Well, no, we're not, we're not covering you because it's subclause A, part B, section I, version five says yep. in page 84 of the fine print, you will not be paid out if. Yeah. Right. And that's the sort of stuff where you really, well, again, technically, it probably is fair enough because, yeah. you know, on page 84, it probably does say. Well, you sign the contract. Unless you hopped on one foot while you signed the contract, this is void. Yeah. If you didn't hop on one foot, then it's void. And, and that's, that's legally legitimate. Mm. The question is, 
is it unconscionable conduct? Is it appropriate conduct? Mm. And frankly, should there be different rules in place to protect consumers from some of those things that go badly? And that's exactly what's behind the calls for a banking royal commission. But do we need a royal commission to sort of get to that? Well, here's the problem, right? So I, I, I t we shouldn't need one. And even if we have one, there's no guarantee of change. And that's the biggest risk here is yeah. a Royal Commission is a nice way for politicians to say, let's get the banks on trial, big show trial. We did something Bank about CEO it. standing at the front of a press conference having to say, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing, I'll change things. Mm. Everyone, well, other than bank shareholders, everyone else hates banks. Mm. And so it's very good political, you know, it's a good political win to get the banks yeah. on trial, right? Yeah. They, the, the, the legislation exists currently or could exist for changes to be made to suit, to fix the banking problems. Mm -hmm. There is no absolute need for a Royal Commission. Those who are calling for a Royal Commission believe, maybe correctly, maybe wrong, mm. that the only way you'll get proper change is to make the super, super public. And there's a, there's a feeling that maybe the political parties, and, and frankly, in particular, the view is, or the allegations, the, the belief is, mm. that the Liberal Party will be softer on the banks than maybe they should otherwise be. Mm -hmm. So those calling for a Royal Commission are saying, well, you guys aren't gonna do the right thing. A Royal Commission will bring enough stuff to light to basically force your hand and make you make the changes you're reluctant otherwise to make. Mm. Now, if that's uh, true, a Banking mm. Royal Commission could work if it, if it achieves those ends. Yep. But there's nothing that governments or oppositions can't do right now in Parliament without the expense and hassle and rigmarole and, frankly, the circus to actually make a difference and change or enforce the regulations that are already in place. Let's, let's bring it back to shares, uh, as we should Good. here. So uh, whether or not there is one, there is obviously some heightened focus here. Yes. That, um, is this a reason to avoid the banks? <laughs> or there are others in my view, but uh, is, this, is this one that, that would sort of tip you, you know, against them? Oh, mate, as a, as a consumer, I, I wish it was. Yeah. You know, I really wish there could be a change that would actually make a difference. Mm. Um, no, this is... Every now and again, the telcos get fined for misleading advertising, right? Mm. And Optus and Telstra, every six months or so, one of them gets fined a couple of million bucks for doing the wrong thing. Mm. Slap on the wrist. And it's kind of like a cost of doing business, mm. right? Because those, those the advertising broadly works. And so if you've got a, if you can sit right on that line between, I won't say illegal, illegal let's, call it, let's call it appropriate and inappropriate advertising. Yeah. If you can sit right on that line, occasionally you trip over the top of it and you have to pay a fine. Yeah. It's well and truly worth it based on the business you actually bring in the rest of the time. Yeah. And so for the banks, it's kind of the same, right? Mm. If, they, if they go hard against consumers and, and you know, financial planning customers and whatever for a long time, mm. and they have to pull back a little bit, mm. they've made so much money in the process. Yeah, whatever overall, whatever penalty, off. whatever changes, yeah. they're still well, well and truly better off. So. Would a Royal Commission end up with a better result for consumers? Probably. Mm. Would it be sufficient to really address the problems? I doubt it because governments tend not to make the very hard decisions. Yep. Um, and would it, would it make a huge difference in bank profits? I very much doubt that as well. I think yeah. these are going to be businesses that make a lot of money for a very long time from us. Um, it'll be better for consumers if there are changes. Mm. Hard to imagine it's going to be materially worse for the banks. Okay. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk about short selling. <laughs> um, what is short selling, Mr. Phillips? Now, you've done all the talking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wax lyrical for a second here. <laughs> is that a rhetorical? So, I'm going to ask Scott a question. No, I bugger it all. No, no, no. So you've, you've done enough. Who, who wants to hear from Phillips anymore? <laughs> this is getting boring. So a bit, a bit of jargon. We talked about jargon before. A bit of no, jargon here. When you're buying something... The, the parlance is that you're going long yes. on something. When you're selling something that you don't already own, that's called going short. When you're that's, betting on the price going down. You're taking a bet that things are going to fall down. Right. How can and, you sell something you don't own? Well, you can borrow it. So you, uh, give right. me your Telstra shares. I'll pay okay. them back to you in a little while. Okay. I'm going to sell them. For it, right? I'm gonna, I'll give you some interest for it. Okay, good. Um, I'll sell it. Yep. Um, I'll buy it back later. Now, if I'm selling at say a dollar and buying it back at eighty cents, right. I've just made a nice tight little profit. Oh, that's true. Pay your shares back. Yep. I pocket the difference. 
everyone's, everyone's a winner. Except for those people who were long the shares and lost money. Well, so this is this is the thing. Well, right. or it, it works wonderfully well on paper, right? But it, it, I think there's there's two problems that come down. How hard can it be? Well, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard. And, and it's hard for a couple of reasons. When you're going long, when you're buying mm -hmm. something, there is, in theory, infinite upside or a very, very large upside. Right. If I buy something at a dollar... Potentially, I could sell that at ten dollars, at twenty dollars, at a hundred dollars. Well, is this to at two some bucks? Point, at some point, it was thirty-eight bucks. So you made nineteen times your money. I can do that, right? With shares, and particularly given long time frames and good growth opportunities. Right. With short selling, your gain is capped out. It can only go to zero. So if I buy at a dollar, the best possible scenario. I mean, look, you will do extremely well under this <laughs> scenario. No one's going to be complaining. Yep. But there is an asymmetry there of, of returns, which is one thing to watch. So it falls from a dollar to zero. I make effectively a dollar, so I'm capped at that 100% of the, the original share price. But your loss is infinite, potentially. Right. Because it could go, go to $10. $10. I've got to sell. I, so I'm selling them at a buck, but I've got to buy them back at 10 bucks. Yeah, it's pretty. So I've, I've lost 900% of my original investment. It's it's pretty brutal. Right. So there's there's that. The other thing is- I've <laughs> You're not made, making a good case for it. Here. Well, I'm trying to not make a good case for it because <laughs> I'm, I'm generally not a fan of it for, uh, for investors. I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks and all the rest of it and all the short sellers out there. Please don't send me hate mail. But for me, it's-, it's it's, but if you are, please send to Andrew, not to me. <laughs> I'm not a fan. And I guess that that's one reason for it. The other reason is it really comes down to timing. So when, right. when, when you're short selling, it's not only that you have to be right, but you have to be right within a reasonably short time frame because I have to pay you your shares back. I have to pay interest in the meantime. Um, shares are volatile. So things can go against me very quickly. I might not have the collateral to support that and I can get locked out. So if I've gone, if I've bought some shares in BHP and I have a rough couple of years and then before it eventually comes good, there's no cost to me in the interim, right. perhaps beyond opportunity cost. They sit there. I've got time on my side with short selling. I need my thesis to be proven relatively quickly. And here's the problem, right? So if you buy, let's use the dollar, $10 example, right? Mm -hmm. You buy, you buy shares at a buck, expecting them to go to zero or go down anyway. Yep. They go to $2, the brokerage is going to come to you and say, mate, we need some more collateral to cover that. Yeah. You, you're, you're carrying a loss now. Yeah. And I don't know if you're good for that. So I want to, I want you to give me another buck security. just to cover that. Yep. Then it goes to three bucks, you're up for another dollar. Then it goes to four bucks, you're up for another dollar. Mm. So not only are you paying to borrow the shares, you're having to post collateral mm. that might be multiples of your original investment and you're still on the hook if the shares keep going higher. Yeah. And so it's some, and then to your point, it gets closed out. Maybe you can't afford to put up, you know, you put mm. up a bowl of, maybe you can't afford to put up another five bucks as the share price goes up. Even if you're yeah. eventually right, even if the yeah, shares are eventually- Yeah, it goes to 10 cents eventually. Right, in, in five yeah. years time, yeah. you could have been stopped out with a 500% loss at some point during that process because you simply couldn't afford to liquidate the rest of your portfolio to put up the collateral to support a rising share price. That's a really hard gig. So so for me, you know, for those who, who aren't believers that it's you know possible to consistently and accurately time the market, and I don't think you can- <laughs> Uh, for those who who don't like limited upside and unlimited downside, I think for those <laughs> reasons, um, it's not for me. But let's 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 broaden this out a little bit yeah. here. When when short selling comes up, we tend to get um, people arguing against it more for I guess philosophical reasons <laughs> or, or, or systematic. I'm reasons. being set up here. I'm being set up here. Like <laughs> Where people will say uh, it, all these crazy short sellers out there that they they they. are unfairly impacting market price. <laughs> what say you, Mr. Phillips? Oh, here's the problem with short selling, right? <laughs> right? Is it is a complete and utter bastardization of what the markets are designed for. I hate Why? short selling with Why? absolute passion. Who cares? Well, I mean, it's not, I've just made the case that it's not for me, but if others are doing it, I don't, I don't care. 
Yeah, sure. Let's go with speeding and drugs and let's just legalize everything. Anarchy the for the people, thing. Andrew. It's Anarchy not for the, the people. Same thing. It's people prosecuting a particular view on a security and they're gambling. Bless their cotton, little cotton socks. I'm happy for them to do that. The stock market is here to allow companies to raise money mm -hmm. and to allow owners of capital to exchange that capital in exchange for other money, right? Sure. I own shares of Teltra. You want to buy shares of Teltra, I'll sell them to you. You give me the money or vice versa, right? right. That's what happens. Yeah. When you start getting into betting on the movement in prices alone, mm -hmm. you're basically saying, I'm going to go to the casino and I'm betting on black. But people are doing that anyway on the long side, right? People are betting daily on things going to, that are going to be going up. Yeah, there, there's a huge speculative dimension. But they're owning the asset. You're, you're, you want to buy my asset, mm. sell it, and take a leveraged synthetic bet. You don't mm. own the stock anymore. Yeah. You've already sold it. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's, but, but, you're yeah. make, but you're making it, it's a People bet. People do crazy things but all It's the a straight time. up bet that you don't own the asset. There's, not, no, there's no ownership at stake it's here. Not, you're it's not for betting. me to say what, what people should or shouldn't do. If, if they want to do it, let, you know, they'll say, well, we're, we're, we're helping price discovery. Oh, we're making love, sure there's- I love price discovery. Like it's some moral imperative <laughs> that somehow the right price in the market is helped by these people. It's a social, but we know how incredibly inefficient markets are the rest of the time, as you just said yourself, Andrew. The fact that short selling helps price discovery, I think is the complete load of bollocks. The high, we should talk about high frequency trading. I only say bollocks, by the way, Andrew, because I don't want to say bullshit because it's exactly what it is. <laughs> short selling, derivatives trading, I would ban the entire lot of it outright. Yeah. You can go long on the market. You can buy shares in real businesses, which is what we talk about every mm. single day. Yeah. Buy a share in a business. The only derivatives I would allow are futures on physical products. So if you're a farmer, you've got a corn crop, you've got some pigs, you've got some whatever, and you want to know how much you're getting from down the track, that's okay. I would, if, if you put me in charge of the ASX tomorrow, I'd ban the entire vote, vote lot Vote one, of it. Scott Phillips. A lot of it. Vote one for huge amounts of regulation. And I will still be ranting when they switch this off. As Liam drags me out of the studio, I will be ranting about the ridiculous trading in synthetic bloody securities. I Look, I, I, I'm a bit more agnostic towards it. I don't really mind. As far as I'm concerned, if someone, if I'm interested in buying something and there's a price that's available out there, whether that comes from a short seller, someone who owns the shares, an 80-year-old granny who's held them for a hundred, I, I just don't care. It's what I'm buying at a point that I feel it's it's reasonable to purchase at. I don't, I don't too, I don't mind too much. A CEO might mind though. Yeah. So this is the other thing. So we get, yeah. we get a lot of uh, companies out there. I think Jerry Harvey was the the latest to sort of have a swipe at the short sellers. Yep. So, you know, for, when you, when you've taken a big short position, you, as, as we said before, there's a timing dimension to it. You want other people to come on board to your mm -hmm. way of thinking. So you generally speaking, people go short and then they'll publish a report telling you why this is a, a basket case ready to, they want to get that perspective yeah. out there. Yeah. And CEOs will will sometimes say, "Well, geez, that's unfair." You you know, all these people with vested interests to make this thing go down are out there telling everyone how terrible it is. It's not fair. What do you? I think was almost that? off my soapbox, and I'm scrambling back to the top of it, Andrew. <laughs> Here we go. My eyes are widening. I'm seeing it like I'm seeing it like a basketball right now. <laughs> I'm seeing this thing like a basketball. All right. um, okay, so here's the thing. Um, CEOs should really not give a stuff about what happens to their share price. They care too it much, doesn't, don't they? It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, look, if some of them own a lot of business, like Jerry Harvey, it matters. He also sees the share price, I'm sure, to some degree, without wanting to malign Jerry, as an extension of his ego to some degree. So if he's doing a good job, he wants the share price to be higher. Sure. I get that. So I get I get why he might want a higher share price. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has, feels the same as I do, philosophically, ideologically, about short sellers. Mm -hmm. But it actually doesn't matter to the operation of a company. Unless the company is stupid enough to have some debt covenants linked to their market cap, which mm. would be stupid, but some people have done it before. Mm. Um, in which case, the market cap fell, the bank had called on the loan. So that, yeah. that does suck. And that's yeah. why you wouldn't want your shares to go down. Yeah. Other than that, Jerry kind of just needs to concentrate on the business. Yeah. Now, I do. The, the other reason I don't like short selling, Andrew, is if, if short selling does create some short-term pressure because mm. those published reports create fear, mm. 
if there's a mug punter out there who's holding Harvey Norman shares who goes, shit, I bought them at four. Mm. Now they're at 350. Mm. They're four, I better sell. So that the person who gets persuaded by the short case, either because the fear gets in their heads, mm. and we know people feel fear three times as much as they feel, you know, opportunity. Yeah. Um, or if the price falls and they go, oh, I must have made a mistake that I better sell. To the extent that it, that it changes what what individual mug punter investor behavior is, I think it's I think it's unfortunate. So I get from Jerry from his own shareholders there saying, hey, the price is going down. Mm. To the extent that's being driven by the fear created by the short sellers, I think it's a legitimate concern. But for the shareholders' best interests, not for Jerry, not for the company. And most of the CEOs should simply say, do what you want. I'll keep doing my business. And if I'm if I'm successful, my share price will go up over time. And the short sell will lose because you're running a great business, not because you're trying to jawbone the share price back up. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Man, so much to say, but we're out of time. Next week, I tell you what we're going to do, I Scott. The final Next word, week, you know we that. are going to talk about all the ways <laughs> that you can you can protect yourself from the down. We might talk a bit about stop losses. The we coming might talk market crash. Selling out, the coming market crash, you know, shorting, all these things. Because that is a very interesting topic, and I've got a lot more to say. And, and, and people need to know why you're wrong on some of those points, too, <laughs> quite frankly. It'd have to be true first, Andrew. Before we go, though. You I have did... to do fake, no, fake news here at the Motley Fool Money podcast. You know that. Before we go, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Alan who we had a, a chat to we had a Motley Fool event last Friday we did good day Alan uh, Alan came all the way across from Hong Kong an avid listener um, tells me that he's usually in the gym when he listens to this so hey, um, uh, I hope I hope the uh, heart rate is nice and high for you Alan better you than me Alan yeah. glad one of us is in the gym <laughs> while we're doing this that's right um, but Scott, look, that does wrap it up. Uh, a quick reminder to all our viewers, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money, Money Podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. Uh, and as we always say, please give us a five-star rating. And of course, as Andrew said, we're not you know, viewers, we have listeners. So if you're trying to watch your phone, you won't see us, you said it again. More Jeez. importantly, go to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M and sign up for Take Stock, our uh, regularly, relatively regular newsletter from our boss, Bruce Jackson, sometimes from us, about what's happening on the markets. Very good. Excellent. Until next time, full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.